Ahsoka episodes one and two and everything else you need to know about the universes you love right here on the direct podcast. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the vengeance. And I am Iron Man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome on, welcome back to another episode of the Direct Podcast. Everything you need to know about the universes you love. I am here, your host, the Phantom Historian, Matt Rimke, and I am joined by my friend, co-host, Atlantean Colts fan, senior editor at thedirect.com, David Thompson. David, season two, episode 48. I'm going to get chaotic. I like the Rebel Moon trailer. What's up? <laughs> that is chaotic. Here's my chaos. <laughs> I haven't even clicked on the Rebel Moon trailer. I'm not sure I will. Uh, oh, I just David, you should watch it. <laughs> I will. I, I will. I've seen the knockoff lightsaber clip on Twitter a million times. Cool, right? Some it's flaming, dope. Some it's flaming dope. sabers. Um, I saw I saw your tweet about it, which actually got me a little more interested. Um, and I joked to you yesterday how we never need to talk about that movie ever. We we might, we probably will actually, Chaos. but um, <laughs> because there is something to it, there's an intrigue there, and mm-hmm. it's so just kind of memeable, laughable how it is two parts. That's what that was the other announcement I saw a two-part thing. But uh no, I haven't checked it out yet. Um, today I'm doing great, man. It's been a productive morning. Watch Hard Knocks this morning. I've been watching Ooh. a lot of stuff. Obviously, finished up Rebels, watched Ahsoka last night, started the Florida Gator uh Netflix documentary mm. on episode two of that. That's pretty good. And then you I'm know, really bad people on that team. Yeah, it's like super interesting. We haven't gotten to Aaron Hernandez or anything. I'm not sure. I I guess we will. You're not gonna. That's what I hear. <laughs> oh, really? That, that I I've heard he's very minimal. In the pod in the documentary for being the most famous guy not named Tim from that team. Yeah, and Tebow is a big part of it, but I will say well, it it doesn't seem like it's going that direction. And I'm just starting, but it seems kind of focused on it's not really a propaganda hit piece, but it's like kind of trying to almost put Urban Meyer, I would say, on a bit of a pedestal. Which is a bummer because he sucks. But <laughs> I've had a theory for a long time. Sorry, I'm eating an apple. That's I've okay. had a theory for a long time that Urban Meyer will die on a football field. He'll be the first <laughs> man to refuse not to die on a football field. Um, are you a Gator fan? Uh, kind of. Jasmine went there for school. I've been to oh, several fun. games. You know, like they, going to the Swamp Saturday noon kickoff is a wild experience. It's so hot. The sun is beating down. It's a million degrees. Um, you've just You've been up since 8 you know, having a good time. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a wild, it's fun having that because I didn't go to an SEC school, but having that SEC experience. But I've always been pretty kind of adjacent in terms of rooting for or watching college football. I'm a big NFL guy. I'm not really a big college fan, but I've never had that connection to a team. So I'm kind of a Gator fan. But, you know, if, if someone I was with really liked the Knowles, I wouldn't be just like pulling for the Gators for no reason. Sure, sure. Let me tell you uh, what we did over at the Mid-Atlantic Conference um, at Ball State University. We would do what you did, would get up early, get to the parking lot, start drinking, do the game, do the tailgate thing. And then when the game started, we just didn't go. We just kept doing the tailgate thing yeah. through the game. Yeah. Dangerous situation. Week after week. Usually on a Tuesday. That's the fun thing about the Mac. 
because we play on Tuesdays, baby. Um, who was the Florida Gators starting quarterback last year? Mm, I wonder. I believe his name is Tony Richardson. It's very exciting. Um, Rebel Moon, like you said, part one, part two. You know what that makes it? What? A movie universe that we need to cover. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's very exciting. Um, no, we're excited today. Um, we got it's a pretty straightforward episode. We got news. We have Ahsoka review episodes one and two that will take up most of the episode. We're gonna do it one big kind of fell swoop. We're not gonna do one and then two. It's one big thing. Um, very exciting. And hey, welcome back to Wednesdays. Anybody listening to the direct podcast now through at least Ahsoka, we will be reviewing um every episode on wednesday along with news um so this will now be our main episode moving forward and then when a movie pops off those will be our one-offs it's very exciting times here at the direct podcast but if we don't have anything else i think we dive into it and talk to jj about everything you need to know about the universes you love that's slander it is not i resent that slander is spoken in print it's libel all right everything you need to know universes you love it's been a little while, a little longer than usual since we've done the news. Obviously, Ahsoka is the biggest news of the week, but me and David each are bringing something to the table. David, what is going on in the universes we love right here, right now? Yeah, so this bit of news is free agency right now in terms of the DCU. And James Gunn is forming this team. You know, we've got a few characters already there for Superman Legacy. And, you know, the great thing about James Gunn as an executive is that he's very open and public and talks a lot to fans or just audience members on i think threads is normally right now his biggest form of communication he's like right? moved away from twitter and x it seems like so he's on threads a lot so honestly i don't really hop on there much the only time i pretty much ever go on threads is to look at james gunn's replies one <laughs> of those replies recently was talking about basically you know is he going to move any of the Guardians actors over the DCEU or the DCU, I should say. So here's a quote. James Gunn recently stated, there are reasons I wouldn't want either talking about Chris Pratt and Palm Clementif. So those that were in Guardians of the Galaxy talking about those two. There are reasons I wouldn't want either of those actors to play themselves in the DCU exclamation point emphatically. And in my opinion, this was a little bit underreported a little bit. To me, this is a bit of a confirmation. He has set plans for those two actors in the DCU because why else would he say this? The, the question was basically asking, uh, I think the person on threads was like, you know, adding James Gunn asking, hey, would it be possible that like they play themselves in a peacekeeper or peacemaker um, season two? And he he responded with that saying like, no, I, I, that's not the case because there are these possible plans. The now rumor swirling, which is a lot of fun. The big fan cast is Chris Pratt as booster gold, which seems like it could be a possibility. Now the theory, because of blue beetle just releasing, there is a Ted cord connection to booster gold. Ted cord, obviously set up in blue beetle. Um, and what? He's alive. <laughs> yeah, he's alive. Exactly. Like, and we talked about it last week a little, or not last week, a couple days ago on the Blue Beetle episode. Um, you know, discussing the post-credit scene, why they had it. Maybe this is a potential why. Um, the big fan cast, which is just the complete, not even a rumor, just a fan cast, is Jason Sudeikis as Ted Cord, sure. um, which would be a lot of fun. 
Here's my question, though. So here's the news. We got James Gunn, a slight little update. Do you think James Gunn should recycle Guardians of the Galaxy actors? Should he bring on Chris Pratt? Should he bring on Palm, Palm Clementine? Right? Like, should he be reusing these actors in the DCU? Or does that take away from the new universe? We already have it in a very small scale with Nathan Fillion, who's one of his guys as Guy Gardner in Superman Legacy, one of the Green Lanterns. How do you feel about this? And are you pro or against? Uh, so pro. And it's so clear and obvious to anybody paying attention exactly how this is going to go. James Gunn, I don't think, would ever put these guys in a movie or show in a way that would distract from what the movie or show is going to do. A little Easter egg that some people might not even know is that Palm Clementif has already made a DC appearance in The Suicide Squad. Uncredited, she was just a dancer in that bar that they got drunk in before the Corte Martise uh, raid. And it's just a long shot on her being stunning as she is, because she's a mythical creature. Um, and it's just there. They don't reference it. They don't mention it. It's nothing like that. Yeah. And Palm Clementif making a cameo for her buddy James Gunn. I love that. Uh, Daniela Melchior, or man, didn't she recently say that we're all Saturday, Brock? Oh, are Daniela we? Mel- Melchior, I don't know. We say but, everyone's name wrong, so you can't really blame us. Point the finger at us. Two white guys, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> she she was in Guardians three. It didn't distract me at all. Obviously, Ratcatcher two is not the same thing as you know Star Lord, but I thought she was amazing in Guardians three in that small role she was given with Nathan Nathan Fillion as well. I think that they will be a part of the DCU in the perfect way. If that's in a leading role, I think it's going to be fit to their strengths. If it's in a cameo role, I can almost guarantee it won't take away from anything too much. People forget Sylvester Stallone is in every single Guardians movie. Like That's an insane thing to think about, and it doesn't take away from it. Um, As far as Chris Pratt playing Booster Gold, I love it as a fan cast because it's just the most stereotypical fan cast, right? You played Marvel's version of Booster Gold already. You know, do your thing. Be the goofy superhero that doesn't take it too seriously. That's what Booster Gold is. Um, There's only one person who listens to this podcast, I think, that might get this reference. His name is Jake Safford. He has been a day one since day one. Um, Great Twitter follow. Check out Jake, Jake Safford. Jake, if you're listening, people will remember that Pat McAfee was recently fan cast as Booster Gold two or three years ago when he was trying to get into the movie business. So just keep a lookout for, you know, Disney's new leading man, maybe getting in there and playing Booster Gold. But um, <laughs> um, no, I definitely leading man. <laughs> right. Yeah, I definitely think that um, every single Guardians actor will have some sort of cameo appearance in the DCU. Um, it could be as something as big as what Nathan Fillion got in Guardians 3. Um, it could be a leading role. It could be a cameo like Pete Davidson got in Guardians 3 where he was wearing a mask and you didn't see him one time. You know what I mean? And so I think <clears throat> James Gunn does this well. I think he makes it fun. Um, and I love it. And I more Chris Pratt, the better is what I say. I'm rewatching Parks and Rec for the first time in a long time. Yeah, it's funny. I would say you're not necessarily in the majority these days of more Chris Pratt, the better. Um, I'm in between. I think. Like you said, James Gunn, to me, he doesn't really make mistakes in terms of casting, typically, uh, at least with, we, with yep. what we've gotten in the Suicide Squad and Guardians. Like it, everything pretty much normally makes sense. And I think what would be important is that there is a fine line between 
suddenly Chris Pratt is in the Justice League. And there's a fine line between Chris Pratt makes a cameo, right? What's that? What's that area in between where he's a part? He is one of the quote unquote heroes that live within this DC universe. But maybe he's not an A-lister, right? Maybe he's not Batman, which he's not going to be. But you know what I mean? Where I'm not. He's not going to be Batman. He said Batman, I think, maybe. That would be wild. The internet that day, if Chris Pratt were ever cast as Batman, would erupt. Um, <laughs> But no, I think Booster Gold could be a cool, a cool spot for him. It definitely seems like a good fit. Like it's a TV show, kind of low stakes, not really like in everyone's face, not even appearing in Superman Legacy. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's it's exciting. It could even be one of those things like in Superman Legacy where there's a section of the movie where they talk about heroes in this world already because it's been reported that it's going to be established. It's not just going to be Superman. There's going to be other heroes in the world. I think it's going to feel a lot like The Boys, which feels very lived in, even from season one. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what it's like. Say they have a section of that movie where they're showing the audience through some sort of plot vehicle you know i i I hope it doesn't like open with a newsreel here's what heroes are up to in metropolis today um but it could be you know they pop on the news and they're interviewing booster gold a very low stakes low level character and it's chris pratt you know what i mean it could be something as simple as that um like the chris evans uh cameo in that ryan reynolds movie about video games oh um free guy Free guy, yes, I like yeah, that movie. Good movie, I liked it too. Uh, Fantasy by Mariah Carey, one of my favorites. Um, I just want to before we get off this real quick, I think that's a great news topic to bring up. I definitely think it's going to happen. You said I am in the minority of more Chris Pratt, the better, right? Yeah. Top three highest grossing movies in the year of our Lord Taylor Swift, two thousand twenty three. How many of them have the leading man being Chris Pratt? I would think two. Two. Great call. <laughs> two. I, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I am not necessarily saying that it is Chris Pratt that's selling those tickets to go see Mario, though. Uh, but I do think his role in Guardians is beloved. I love Chris Pratt. I'm not real. I'm kind of with you. I, like I said, I'm a little bit in between, but I'm not one of these guys that hates on everything Chris Pratt's doing just because he has become so popular and such a big movie star. It's the Jennifer Lawrence thing a little bit, right? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I agree. A little too much everywhere. Um, but he makes way more money than Jennifer. <laughs> right now it <laughs> is yeah together. um all right that's the great news story i'm gonna come in with a uh, fantasy style thing there's been a recent report from the man bob Iger. have you heard of this man i have you have he's the he's the boss I, I hit that right when you were taking a drink that's my bad you know what it's i mean okay. I was it happens the app <laughs> earlier you know we're just consuming things right this morning Hundred percent, hundred percent. I got my fruit and my Celsius, both sides of the scale. Um, Bob Iger recently, in a report, has reiterated something that has been more clear than anything else since his return to Disney. In that, um, when it comes to MCU movies moving forward, with Bob Iger back at the helm, they will put the majority of their resources, time, and attention into quality over quantity with MCU films and this has been a conversation we've been having as a community for a little over a year now i would say is there too much superhero fatigue yeah 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 um i personally think that people aren't looking into the disney plus of it all as much as impacting that but that's a conversation for a different time he has made it clear that we are going to 
only put out movies that they think are up to the gold standard of the MCU and not the standard of the comic book genre overall. Right. So yeah. in my opinion, that means with all of these reported projects coming for the MCU phase five, the, the rest of phase five and phase six and so on, that at some point, I don't know if it's Captain America. I don't know if it's Deadpool three. Um, uh, it's going to probably be the first time we notice it, I guess, will be a movie that's not yet in pre-production. There's going to be a switch where they only focus on movies that are going to live up to that level and anything that doesn't, it's not going to get a priority in the movie roster for the MCU. So I think a change might be coming. So David, what I want to do today is a keep trade cut. Um, if, if you're familiar with this in fantasy football yeah. terms, we're going to pick a movie. I, I have three movies in pre-production for the MCU um, that have either been reported to be begun. A script is written some appearances have been made, or there's reports that it's happening, right? Three movies upcoming in the MCU, and we're going to keep one of them. And just keep it the way it is as a movie coming out in phase six, let's say. Cut one of them, something you would be okay with losing from the roster altogether, and then trade one of them. And this is something where we're going to pick one of these movies we would rather see in a Disney Plus format, or what I think is their most under underutilized tool, the special presentation yeah. on Disney Plus. So keep trade cut these three movies in pre-production. You ready? Blade, Armor Wars, and another movie that's been in the news lately, Thor 5. Yeah. Coming off of the Eternity and Valhalla post-credit scenes in Thor 4, Love and Thunder. So Blade, Armor Wars, Thor 5, David, keep one the way it is. Trade one to a Disney Plus series or special presentation, and then cut one from the roster all together. Go. So I have one caveat where for Thor 5, I want to keep Thor 5. That's the one I think I'm going to keep. However, not with Taika, probably. Like if if I could kind of envision a new direction, I would love to see a Logan-esque Thor story, right? Something where it's like a battered and bruised, a grounded. Thor movie um, kind of going away from what they got into with Love and Thunder a little bit and obviously like Ragnarok set up Love and Thunder Love and Thunder to me you know they got a little too jokey Chris Hemsworth has already talked about that I don't think it's as bad as some people think the movie was like there is some good heart in there but I think Thor 5 I would keep as a movie um, and obviously make some adjustments Blade is going to be the one that I am trading um, for a special presentation actually I think Blade could be well done, and this comes off the heels of Werewolf by Night, which I think was a wonderful MCU project, point blank. Movie, series, whatever. It was an awesome little short movie, about an hour-ish, and it was just great. It was was what James Gunn's talking about. He wants to do with DC in terms of each project should have a unique tone and vision. And sometimes the MCU, they say they're going to do that, and then it all feels the same, right? Especially, I would say, on the big screen. There's been a couple of uh, interesting, I would say, movie or movies or projects from the MCU that feel different. WandaVision's one of them, for sure. Werewolf by Night's one of them. And Blade could be that as well, I think, as a special presentation. I doubt they'd do it, but that's what I would uh, trade. And then Armor Wars, I'm cutting, which is so upsetting. And my this would not have been my answer a month ago. But because of Secret Invasion... My expectations and my anticipation have gone down. Like they now have some 
they they have a long road ahead of them to get me back in on Armor Wars because of what they did with Rhodey. I did not like the decisions they made in terms of him being a scroll and how long he's been a scroll. And obviously that's going to be, I would hope, you know, dug into in Armor Wars, but that's not even the point of the movie, right? So I'm curious that that movie's already been something that's gotten quote unquote traded from a series to a movie. Right. And now I'm just cutting it off the roster. Yeah. And and I guess like, you know, that's the kind of game you're playing. If you cut armor wars is that we don't get any sort of backup or resolution to that decision that we don't love. You know what I mean? It's just unfortunate that that movie now has, it's weird to say baggage because we didn't know what the movie was going to be about you know, for sure anyway. Yeah. Right. But like it, the, the direction it's going as far as what the plot is going to be seems to be about Rhodey being a scroll, which is something that none of us really dug. So um, I'm going to keep bringing these types of questions to the table week after week to get this, you know, energy pumping a little bit. This one may have been a little too easy because my answer is exactly the same. As really? Yours. Yeah. I'm cutting armor wars. I'm keeping Thor five. Um, I, I, now that you say it out loud, I guess I kind of have the same idea of maybe not Taika this time, but I do feel like maybe he, you know, I don't know. Taika's been just weird lately. He's ran him in a little bit, you know, go back to the Jojo rabbit days. That movie is so good. I know, but that is like a, so Taika thing through and through. Yes. And I just don't think that Ragnarok is as Taika as that, which is what makes it special because it's a just right amount of Taika because I think we saw what raw uncut Taika is in Love and Thunder and it did get in the way from time to time in that movie, I, yeah. I think. Yeah, Especially and I with think the stuff. well, with Ragnarok, you're working in such a special spot in the MCU before Infinity War. Like you were given such a, diff- a perfect spot with a blueprint. Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. no blueprint, no notes, just do whatever you want, pretty much. Oh, yeah. And like you said, that's what we got. I do think that something a little grittier would be fun for Hemsworth. Um, but, you know, I, I at the same time, I think his comedy is kind of what makes Thor the character he is right now. You know, he does have, you know, outside of Downey, I think he's got the best comedic chops of that core group of Avengers, um, you know, save maybe for Jeremy Renner here or there. Underrated, funny guy. Jeremy Renner, by the way, if you've never seen the movie Tag, um, it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I'm cutting armors. I'm keeping Thor five, maybe with a new tone direction. Um, and then, yeah, Blade to a special presentation. I think it makes all the sense in the world with how the MCU has used special presentations so far. We've only gotten two. The holiday special was, of course, this like amazing, unique thing that it was really just giving James Gunn one more chance to flex before he you know left a parting gift for James Gunn I think and they got to use the set from nowhere so it was you know just a win 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 across the board I think for everybody involved Werewolf by Night I think is so underrated and I think we just forget how awesome it was and how special it was at the time it's weird it's unique and I think that the Midnight Suns corner the supernatural corner of the MCU there's such a opportunity to use special presentations to set that up we've got moon knight we've got the werewolf i think moving forward i i take werewolf over moon knight any day and i think moving forward these other supernatural characters in the mcu keep using special presentations to bring them in get them on the board then bring them together for a series or a movie and i just really think that that is um a great vehicle for that Herschel ali just seems like maybe too big of a name for a one-hour yeah. special, 
on Disney Plus, which you know it was unfortunate. I think for my dream idea, but if if they, if Mahershala was down to make that happen, I think it could be really special, and I think it would work really well. And also, it could kind of become its own little blueprint for another series of characters that we're hoping get introduced slowly before coming together in a more team up event. You know, maybe they're mutants. I don't know, David. I'm just spitballing here. You know, um, man, X-Men special presentations would be everything for me. Yeah, I would love it so much. Um, So, yeah, keep trade cut. We are both keeping four or five. We are both trading Blade into a special presentation and we are cutting Don Cheadle's Armor Wars. Shout out to big fan of the show, Andrew ha- uh, Haley, Andrew Haley on Twitter for uh, inspiring this idea. Um, Very fun stuff. Please, everybody listening, if you're if you care. Send in your ideas, send in uh, questions you might have, things you want us to talk about here on the show. We're always down to do that. David, that has been everything you need to know about the universes you love. Let's dive one level deeper into a universe that we both love dearly. The Star Wars universe, the universe in a galaxy far, far away. And then another galaxy far, far, far away. Ladies and gentlemen, Ahsoka, episodes one and two. The Force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in and welcome on and welcome to the Ahsoka Review Series here on the Direct Podcast. Every week, we will be reviewing, breaking down, picking winners, losers, and top plays for each episode of Ahsoka, the long-awaited Rebels Season 5 live-action edition to the Star Wars universe. I'm here. David's here. You know that. Duh, right? Um, and another duh, I guess. You know, anybody anybody who pays attention knows who we're having on for this podcast. He's our Star Wars correspondent since day one, the biggest lover of Star Wars animation that I know personally, and somebody that I'm very excited to talk to about the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him, the reckless rebel himself, Jack. Huge Jack. How we living? Oh man, I'm doing so good. It's been a whirlwind of the past couple of days, but we're here. I mean, Matt, first time I was on this podcast was from Mando season two, episode three with Bo Katan. Couldn't come on for the Ahsoka episode, but then of course the finale. And here we are, like three years later, and this show is out. We're doing the Star Wars Rebels thing, the Ahsoka thing. It's kind of surreal. Uh, but I'm just so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, David, if you've never listened to it, you got to check out our Mando season two finale review. It's hanging in the rafters. One of the best episodes we've ever done here. I think all three of us cried. Yeah, I think me, Jack and Liam all cried doing it. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. God, what an episode of television. What that was to amazing. That? I'll, never forget, I'll never forget watching that, honestly, that episode. Oh, oh dude, especially you, a Luke fan. Like, you know, the way you are just fucking <laughs> wait. Are you a Luke guy? I am a Luke guy, but I am mainly an Anakin guy. Ah, Anakin okay. slash Vader. Ahsoka's built for you. How much yeah. did you love Rebels? What's Let's that? start there. David, you finished Rebels. How was it? It was great. I could go into great detail, um, but it was definitely better than I was even expecting. Even with all the hype, there was, you know, you hear the hype, you hear this and that, you see the animation. I'm like, eh, I don't love that. But then you actually watch it. Season one's good. But season two, man, season two is what got me wrapped in. By the time you're wrapping up season two and it's that finale, like I was basically riding the high of the show until the end at that point. Like the end of season two is just some of my favorite Star Wars. Same with the end of season four in many ways. But 
I will say, like, it did live up to expectations. It's one of the best Star Wars projects. It's Ever. it was better than I thought in the sense of there are some shitty episodes that are just like filler and Disney XD, but there's not that many, and it really doesn't drag the the series down at all. Like it actually still feels relatively tight, being just the four seasons, now kind of a fifth in live action. But with that being said, it was great. Like the hype was real and I'm happy to be I'm happy to be on the train now and have all that knowledge too cuz there's it's just wonderful character development throughout that entire series. Like you get really attached to the crew, um which is really cool, more than you do I think in many ways in other Star Wars projects. And um yeah, I feel like in many ways that's definitely Dave Filoni's best work um at Star Wars and uh hopefully he uh gets back to that place. Absolutely. Jack, I'm sorry, but Clone Wars can give a fuck. Rebels is where it's at. Like, I agree with you. No, Rebels <laughs> is better than Clone Wars for sure, I would say. Which Absolutely. is, I think, yeah. crazy. I think Rebels show. might have better highs. Sure. Mm, I don't it's know about that. There's, there's, there's a little shaky on that it's one. There, man. The oh, highs oh. of Rebels are nuts to me. You're right. Like, You're I right. was like, I mean, I literally like super focused, like tears in my eyes, like holy shit. I mean, I don't want to get into crazy spoilers, but just like certain jedi doing certain things they're in certain Season later four, episode seasons. 10 yeah, yeah i mean just just people behind doors people getting haircuts you know people getting haircuts <laughs> you know who's your favorite rebel without spoiling too much about ahsoka one and two obviously um i'm still going my, my i'm going with my guy zeb dude i'm just going with it because he's not he's, the best character i just love zeb every time it's on screen carabast i just i just love it he's a vibe he is yeah. a vibe Bob and a player. Going. Team player. Yeah, and he hates everybody. It's great. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here not to talk about Rebels. Well, kind of. A little bit. Rebels Season 5, Episodes 1 and 2, titled Ahsoka. Episodes 1 and 2, Episode 1, Master and Apprentice. Episode 2, Toil and Trouble. We're going to be doing this as like one big episode. You know, not one and then two. It's like a little mini movie review. We're very excited about it. Your starting lineup for Ahsoka, Episodes 1 and two, Rosario Dawson returns as Ahsoka Tano, Natasha Liu Bordizo as Sabine Wren, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Captain Hera Syndulla, Ray Stevenson, rest in peace, as Balon Skull, Ivan Sakno as Sheen Hati, and Diana Lee in Santa, in, I even read it, <laughs> Diana Lee in Inosanto as Morgan Elizabeth from Mandalorian Season 2. Directed, written, created by imagined ideated produced just birthed by dave filoni one of our one of our goats one of our um foggy recipient winners the first one if i'm not mistaken yeah, uh, one so. of the first one of the first foggy recipient winners um those that's your starting lineup let's get into the pregame thoughts jack this is you i mean this is this is this is what we've been waiting for this is the most jack yeah. i've seen in my life Congratulations. You've been at day one. You've converted so many people, including, you know, me, who was very hesitant. David, who was even more hesitant, hesitant than I was. Um, here it is. Finally, Ahsoka Rebel Season 5. What are your overall spoiler-free thoughts? Oh, I've been preaching the gospel of Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> and here we are. Um, look, I really, really liked it. I don't normally do, like, scores for episodes or anything i kind of like grades a little bit more but like this is in my opinion the prototypical four out of five stars or four out of five bad batchers if this was reckless rebellion um 
it's not necessarily going to blow your mind just yet, but it lays such a rich foundation with which they can build. And I mean, the show itself is already building from the foundation that is Rebels, and we keep calling it Rebels Season 5, and in many ways it is. And as a whole, it is. But the tone is drastically different. Uh, From Rebels, from Mandalorian, it's very much its own thing. It kind of reminds me of Friday Night Lights when Coach Taylor has to start coaching East Dillon in Season 4. And it's just kind of like, it's still the show you love, it's the characters you love, but it's a different time. People are at a different place. Um, And for for those that don't know, Rebels Season 4 ends just before Rogue One. Ahsoka takes place 11 years, roughly 11 years after that. Um, So there's a bunch we don't know about what these characters have gone through in that time. Um, And I saw some reactions, actually one from Liam Crowley, former uh, co-host of the show, um, where he said in a vacuum, it's just kind of boring and it's void of energy and emotion. And honestly, I kind of get it. I do, especially if you haven't watched Rebels, um, you might not feel as much of the stakes and especially the emotion or weight behind some of the scenes. Um, but even if you have, there isn't necessarily an exciting time for our characters. Everyone's going through something and plus this is a serious threat that they're facing. Um, so it, it kind of caught me off guard in that way. Um, but overall, I enjoyed the episodes a ton. The, the music, the casting, the acting, uh, the world building, it's all great. And I just, I love seeing this in live action. Um, but I think most importantly, I'm just excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, it's it's a great foundation for sure. David, if you don't mind, I want to jump in and go off a point that Jack made. Um, and I feel comfortable saying this. Liam's one of the, you know, one of uh my best friends, a great friend of mine. I feel like I understand Liam's brain more than anybody else in this little community that we, community that we have. I was so surprised to see Liam say that because what Liam usually loves about shows, I shows and movies, I thought was so present here. And that is Every punch having an emotion, uh, you know, setting up a story to support action as opposed to the other way around. The intensity behind movement and stuff like that. I was really shocked to see a lot of people say that it was slow and boring when there's a lot of really good action in these two episodes. Yes, there is a lot of character set up and dialogue between people. So people who are uninitiated can understand the dynamics of these characters. I get that. If you're not a Re- if you're not a Rebels fan, if you're not a Star Wars fan, I can see this being a little droll because it is a lot of just very spoon-feedy, here's who these people are, here's the relationships. But for Rebels fans, for animation fans in general, this is this is it, man. I'm stunned. I'm absolutely stunned that this did not happen so much sooner. Because, you know, animation aside, weird timeline stuff aside, and, you know, all the different things. Ahsoka Tano is the best Jedi character since Luke Skywalker. I think if you include every Jedi we've met in the Star Wars universe and the fact that she is just now getting her own project, just now getting, obviously she's had a live action debut a handful of times in the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. But this is just such a good representation of why she is the shit. And I'm so excited that she's getting this platform and she might not even be my favorite character in the show. That's how good these characters are. That's how great this roster is for the Rebels side of things. I loved it. I thought it was such a Rebels story, too. You know, there's a thing. We got to go talk to the person. We go to the person. But 
they're up to something that maybe we don't know. We have to solve a little mystery within the mystery. And, you know, all these different things that are just so classic Rebels that they made it work in live action. Huge fan. Um, I'm excited for more of the things I loved. I'm excited to kind of settle into the character dynamic so we don't have to have a conversation about everybody's past every other scene which is i think the thing that maybe stumbled people up a little bit but you got to do that when you're introducing characters that have all this history you have to you have to catch people up somehow right and i think that's why they dropped two episodes at once if i'm being honest and i think it's very prevalent here very excited about the show i think it's got so much potential to just keep skyrocketing forward and I think we might just be at the tip of the iceberg here in episodes one and two. <clears throat> eight episodes, right? Why am I always forgetting this? Eight for this one. Yeah, eight episodes. Come on, guys. We're in, we're in for a great ride. I'm very excited for the next couple months of Ahsoka. David, a newly initiated rebel lover. Ahsoka, overall thoughts? Go. To me, this is more cool than it is well made. It's more good than it is great so far. Ahsoka episodes one and two feels like a lot of a setup and I understand some of the pacing issues. I had some of them as well. I'm sitting there watching the first episode and I'm like, hold on a second. We got two of these to go through tonight, but overall really enjoyed it. I think some of the I'll save some of my thoughts for spoilers, obviously on the both positive and negative side. I think some of the casting is phenomenal, which is, I think, a huge, massive deal, um, especially for someone who just watched Rebels and got to know and love these characters as they are, how they look, how they act, how they speak, all these things. And then it changes, right? They are these adjustments in live action because this is Rebel season five. Like to me, a surprise while watching Rebels was how little Ahsoka was in it. And that's what was crazy while watching Rebels. Like, oh, oh you know, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be more like Ahsoka show. Obviously, it's it's titled Ahsoka. But all these characters coming up um, from Rebels are kind of just supporting and making it, you know, this weird combination of what we got going on current day Star Wars. So for me, it's really cool. They're laying the groundwork for what could be an awesome next six episode run. But I wouldn't be singing its praises right now necessarily just because they still have a lot of, I think, work to do and story to tell that could make this whole thing awesome. And this, that's not a bad place to be. Secret Invasion, our latest Disney Plus series that we all watched. To, in my opinion, best episode by a fucking mile is the beginning episode, episode one. Awesome episode. And everything, in generally speaking, goes to shit afterwards. And they do not land the plane. They make poor creative decisions, in my opinion. Ahsoka, I feel like, is building up to what could be a well-made, well-paced, awesome story throughout. The secret invasion button for David Thompson is real. It's very real. <laughs> I see it in your face. I see it in your eyes. It's exciting. Um, yeah, th that's a great range of overall thoughts, I think. And it's very exciting. Let's dive into it a little further. Um, let's hop into it. Uh, who are we going to? Michael Keaton. Spoilers. Let's get nuts. All right, we're going to get into it. We're going to hop into winners and losers. But first, I have a spoiler question that I need clarified before I know how I feel about the episode. Jack, I'm going to go to you. Sir. That last scene where Sabine gets the armor on, touches the painting exactly like she does in the show, and Ahsoka shows up in her robe exactly like she does in the show, 
going to get Ezra exactly like they did in the show. Is that just a recreation of that scene? Did we did are these yes, two episodes set in between the time gap of the Rebels finale? Yep, it absolutely is. Dude. Really? <laughs> oh shit! I didn't put that together. <laughs> yeah, it's the Rebels epilogue. So well, the, the thing was is like amazing. so we had the Rebels epilogue in 2018, and we knew it took place after Return of the Jedi because of the way they kind of explained things, but. When Ahsoka showed up in Mando, we were kind of like, so how does this like tie into that ending that we saw? And Dave was like, not everything in Star Wars is chronological. Just remember that. And so, of course, the Mando episode that we got of her and Book of Boba Fett takes place before that Rebels epilogue. And everything we've gotten from Star Wars on Disney Plus so far outside of Andor. And I guess Obi-Wan. Damn it. All the Mandoverse stuff. Mm-hmm. We already saw the conclusion of it in the rebels epilogue and we just saw it pick yeah. up right there and now we go forward are you yeah. fucking kidding me that's <laughs> awesome we've all seen the it. conclusion to andor and obi-wan by the way just fyi amazing point by you david incredible point by you <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> ongoing point i'll continue to make is that everything star wars is a prequel so if you say a star wars prequel what are you talking about? Literally anything besides the original trilogy when it came out and the sequel trilogy. That's it. Everything else, prequel. Ray Skywalker enters the chat. Um, <laughs> we're gonna go to winners and losers. Um coin toss. I'm gonna take myself out of it. Heads or tails. Uh Jack, since you're um the away team here, uh, to see who goes first. Heads or tails with the coin toss. Go. Go heads, baby. It's always heads. It's never not been heads. Jack Pews, you're going to kick us off. Then David, then me. Jack, your number one overall winner for Ahsoka episodes one and two. So Matt kind of mentioned this before we started recording. I had a lot of winners <laughs> with these two episodes, <laughs> and I combined them all into just one overarching thing, which is Dave Filoni. Um, in okay. many ways, Dave Filoni is Ahsoka now. He, he was the student. Now he's the master getting his shot. Uh, trained under the maker himself, George Lucas, and just like Anakin, George kind of you know had some stumbles, um, but he, <laughs> he he wins because he gets to tell this story his way. Especially after watching episode one, or I guess both episodes, like I'm shocked that Kathy or someone didn't go in there, and maybe they did say like, "Hey, Dave, you know this is like kind of it's very deliberate, it's very meth- um, methodical." Like, maybe we, like, kind of amping up just a little bit. And it's like, no, no. Like, this is Dave Filoni through and through. Uh, Kleinfeld mentioned this last night when, when we recorded our Reckless Rebels reaction. Uh, the, the writing feels the same, like, the same writing you would get from Rebels. It's straight out of a cartoon, and I understand if that doesn't work for everyone. But, man, I loved it. It also feels very George Lucas. There were times when I felt like I was watching the prequel movies, but in a good way. Um and certain edits too and whatever else just like the way it's constructed just feels very george lucas um in most of the time not always but most of the time this series is really good at show not tell and, and a lot of that just comes with the scripts um the performances of course help with that as well but it's just like little things in the dialogue or little subtle looks or sabine going into ahsoka's ship and seeing her old bunk and just kind of reflecting on that with all the little loath cats like scratched into the wall um, and I feel like this is where you feel the deliberate pacing, but I felt like it worked in that way. And they stayed away from exposition and over explaining everything that happened in rebels and all that. They just, they let the show speak for itself and, and Dave let the show speak for itself. 
Um, and just overall, I love the direction he's taking. He's he's kind of trying something different with the tone. Um, I enjoy that out the story outline he's taking for the characters, especially Ahsoka. You know, she is the lead character, but also kind of not. But the idea that she's now struggling to be a master herself. And, you know, if only there's like a flashback we could get of her with a different master and, and his struggles with her. I mean, just saying, you know, Anakin Skywalker. Um, but perhaps the greatest thing Filoni did in these episodes was, well, I feel like no one does better than him. And I tweeted this out the other day. He can conceptualize and introduce a crazy, weird, mystical element of the force and just leaves it there for you to theorize about. Like he does, he doesn't get into explaining things in a crazy manner, just like go into all these details, which can get boring. He just throws it out there. And it's like, here you go. Here's this weird Jedi or not Jedi temple, Dath Dathomir, which is a Dathomir temple. Here's the, here's some, Oh, purples are floating above. Ooh. And, and here's these ruins that we have no idea what they are. And from this other galaxy, it's just like, he just throws them out there and you just do with it what you will, but he's always keeping it grounded in the characters that we care about. And that that's what leads to the overall investment. So I just think he did an incredible job writing this show so far and directing the first episode. Um, and I can't wait to see what he does with episode five, which he's also directing. I did not know that. I thought uh, he was directing all of them. David, uh, your thoughts on David Filoni's debut for what I have to imagine is his favorite character. This is kind of the embodiment of his Star Wars career. And the fact that we're getting him back for episode five, very exciting. Yeah, um, I think that is an excellent winner from Jack. I think that kind of does encapsulate this entire show and the fact that this is being made, you know, something that maybe wasn't a reality years ago, just bringing these characters to live action, you know, I feel like was a pipe dream at one point. They were they were side characters. They were on it for animation, you know, they were for kids, quote unquote. And now it's really being brought to the forefront in this awesome you know, six Pacific, nine Eastern release time, which is which last night was so cool. It's like everyone's going in, you know, like everyone's it's it's time. You know, I loved that. So my um big winner, Filoni's a great one. I agree. And I also like uh, that point you brought up that Klein said last night, like it does feel written like Rebels. And I feel like that that to me gives me faith into where we're heading and what this finale could look like, because Rebels finales always were awesome. So with that being said, mine, mine would have been this to me is above Filoni, above whatever. It is by far, bar none, this Natasha girl as Sabine Wren. Holy shit. When I mentioned earlier in spoiler free thoughts, like, you know, it's going to be a challenge, right? You got to make sure you're kind of matching the actor or actress to the animated character and how is it going to translate and you know does it feel right does it feel natural holy shit did they knock it out of the park with this girl like she is perfect as Sabine I one trillion billion percent buy that this is the same exact character do I for others not really spoiler alert not really <laughs> do I with Sabine I 100% do. I love it. I love that fact that that scene is the exact same as Rebels. I didn't put that together. And that even further amplifies that feeling of this is the same character. Obviously, slightly different cadence in their voice, things like that. But Sabine is really giving, given this like starring role, it seems like, for this show. And the fact that, you know, it's like 
she's not that force sensitive, but she's trying to be a Padawan. There's like this apprentice kind of thing happening. And there's these question marks. She's just awesome. Like every time she was on screen, I 100% bought that it was her and I was just entertained. I'm like, she is killing this role and she's been given a complex. She's been giving a, a complex, I would say, assignment, right? It's very unique. There is this character that people love, this full backstory for that we know all about seasons worth of episodes, TV shows. Hey, pick up where that left off with all of these pulled heartstrings and all this background, the Mandalorians. Ezra of it all, right? And to me, she felt the most naturally set in live action. And the character itself, obviously, is going to be at the forefront, which I really enjoy so far. Just bouncing off that, David, the only reason I didn't choose Natasha Leo, Leo Bordizo as Sabine Ren as my winner is because I didn't really know how to encapsulate my thoughts because she's so perfect. Like, I just, I didn't know where I would have started to, to get it out there. But just to say, her delivery of that opening scene when she's like, oh, was that today? Oh, well, you thought wrong. Well, here's a new order. Get lost. I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is Sabine. Like, they, yeah. it's like Dave Filoni created her in a lab. I was like, okay, here's the perfect Sabine. Go do your thing. And yeah, you you take what she had in Rebels, but now they're adding to it with some master and apprentice stuff between her and Ahsoka that we don't know a ton about just yet. Uh, she's just going off, and I, I can't wait to see what else she does. Why did that opening scene for Sabine look like sabotage by the Beastie Boys? Just did. You know 100%. I mean? She's going down that... Star Trek, baby. <laughs> oh, forgot about Star Trek. That's exactly why. That's exactly why it felt that way. You're 100% yeah. right. God damn it. I got to rewatch that. I just got chills. I just got chills thinking about that. It's so funny. Um, yeah, Sabine was my clear number one winner as well. Um, I think that there's so much awesome about this character. And weirdly enough, this is the perfect time in Star Wars to introduce this character. She's a Mandalorian, which we are all very intimate with right now. She is taking on this Padawan role as an older, per as an older, older person, whatever. She's not a kid. She's taking on a Padawan role. Sound familiar? Um, she, her mentor is everyone's favorite character. And I think that there's so much going for her right now. And I love the way they set up every aspect of her character that we love. We didn't get to see her do art, but man, was her shit everywhere. We then we pivoted instead to do the Peter Parker thing where she's a tech nerd and a hacker and an engineer and all that stuff. They did such a good job showing that they showed her badassness with that back and forth with the pilot, which also shout out to those two pilot actors. They were so great, great. and so casual and it was conversational. Of course, they know each other. They work together like I, I yep. think movies and shows miss that so much. That these general captain main character people, they work with these subordinates. That is such a rebel's thing to put that little intimacy between uh, Sabine and the pilot. I think that was so cool how they did that. And we're never going to see him again. And it's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sabine, the, the other thing that they did that I think is really cool. There's so many people who are just Star Wars hardos that are like, oh, so Sabine's force sensitive. Why didn't they ever mention that in the four seasons of Rebels? <laughs> They point out in this show how much she sucks at being a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, what's the droid's name? Is he in Rebels? Is that oh, yeah. He's in Clone Wars. 
Clone Wars. Okay. It, I, I knew I recognized him. Um, he mentions he a bunch out, of being from the prequels, basically, like that era. Yeah, he know? would take the young, he was the droid that would take the younglings to go get their kyber crystals. Is That's what yeah. he did. Him Badass. and the actor who played Jar Jar Binks. Wasn't he also a youngling trainer? I'm just making it. Uh, he was a youngling trainer, not kyber crystals, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, they, they did that little Disney show like on their YouTube channel or whatever. Where right. The bottom line called. is they couldn't protect him. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but I think that they them calling that out and just putting that on there, I think is such an awesome uh, She-Hulk thing where they speak to the audience before the audience has a chance to speak. But we also got to remember she is a Darksaber wielder. She is a you know royalty Mandalorian. She's got all the training necessary to be a Jedi. The Force stuff is what she's working on. Who better to help her work on that than the best gray Jedi of all time is Sokotano. It's it's perfect. And I think that she was perfect. And I loved every second of it. She was also my number one winner. Um, I feel like David took a shot at somebody earlier. And I'm upset about it. Let's do it. Let's go there. Let's I'm mad go. you guys didn't pick Ahsoka because I want to pick Ahsoka here. So quick honorable mention, Ahsoka is just perfect. Rosario Dawson, mm-hmm. we've talked in nauseam about how perfect this character is in animation and live action. Rosario Dawson's doing a great job. So we'll save Ahsoka for maybe the Ahsoka episode when it comes down the line, right? Are you talking shit about my girl, Harrison Dula? Captain Harrison Dula? General, Matt. General, General I'm now. Sorry. I'm sorry. General Harrison Dula, like, because I thought she was great. I thought she was awesome. She's my, she's one of my favorite characters in the show. I love her commitment to badassness. She's mother, she's a motherly figure, but also just such the leader of the team every single step of the way. And they have one romantic scene in Rebels with Hera and um, Kanan, and it it hits like a fucking ton of bricks. And I thought that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead did a great job bringing that vibe. She's definitely not the forefront of these episodes. She is a supporting character. She is a mentor character to both Ahsoka and Sabine, I feel like, throughout this thing. And I think she just played her her supporting role so well. And it's her asking the, the plot questions. It's her asking the exploration questions. And she has a badassness to it. Would you like me to make this a little bit more of a formal review? I don't think you have clearance for that. Want to bet? Like the confidence <laughs> yeah. that Hera has, we've seen her journey and seen her get to this point. The fact that she has this confidence is so earned to people who know, and I think she's crushing it. So my winner is going to be Harrison Dula. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think she's, I think she's well done overall. Um, I wouldn't say as like a perfect fit, maybe like a perfect transition. Let's say as uh, yeah. Natasha now playing. Um, Absolutely, Sabine. That's one to one. But you can't yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. But it, I would say that is good. And on Hera, I just loved. It was one of my top plays. But I'll touch on it right now. Just that scene of her chasing, you know, getting the pilot action from her because that's really what she's known for in Rebels. Like, I just so she's always in the captain seat. She's always flying, always doing these missions, and I loved seeing the continuation of that. She's the mother we all need. Like, I, I need her in my life. I mean, even some of these lines, I'm like, I needed to hear. But also, I agree that it isn't a one-for-one interpretation. Um, there are moments where I'm like, okay, that feels a little different. There are moments where I'm like, okay, that's perfect. And I think they can get away with that because it has been 11 years. She's been through the full war against the Empire. She's been without Kanan now, oh, spoiler alert, for 11 years. And it, it's, it's kind of just, I, I mentioned it on the top. It's like, 
a lot of these characters are at a different point in their lives and i i can feel more of a general in her now rather than just this mother of this fun crew of rebels i think part yeah. of it too is that a mary mary elizabeth winstead is a very recognizable face for me you know and sure. that's like not from? a bad thing huh what is she from i don't know a whole Got bunch pilgrim of, um, birds world. of prey she sky is high. um sky she high is, is what comes to mind but uh is she the crossbow chick at birds of prey yeah 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 i love her in that oh my god i'm so happy <laughs> yeah no she she's just a recognizable face for me i guess it's like my yeah. it's not a it's not a negative it's just that? it's where you are transitioning from animation to live action there's a little element of that where it's like okay i like recognize you as the actress not necessarily as hera immediately absolutely and i'm not we're not gonna do the you know do we have a crush on Hera or not thing? You can go to Reckless Rebellion and hear all your Hera crush talk, but do just want to point out how good Jennifer Connelly looked at Boba Fett, right? Like, she looks fantastic at Boba Fett, and I just think that that needs to be recognized more often. <laughs> Let's move on to losers. So, our winners are Dave Filoni, Sabine Wren, Hera Syndulla, with the honorable mention being Ahsoka. We could probably put Ahsoka down every week if we really wanted to. Let's save it for a week where it really hits. Let's move on to losers. Jack, your number one loser from episodes one and two something you wish was done differently more of less of etc yeah my loser is morgan elspeth um in in kind of shin hati uh the apprentice of balen skull but more so morgan i thought that i she spoiled this the actress spoiled this like back when mando season two came out uh, on an instagram comment saying that her character was like from dathomir and was a witch um, she took the the comment down, of course. Um, but I like <laughs> that poll. It's a deep cut. Uh, but she's just too much of a standard basic villain for my liking. Too much. We did this last night on Reckless Rebels, but I'm evil. Right. Like I'm gonna say every line I speak is good. Yeah, exactly. Literally, literally a witch. What are you expecting her to do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just bring a little bit, I don't know, bring more layers to it or something. Cause she has a good line of like, I'm a survivor. And I didn't really feel like the actress uh, brought a performance that really showed that. Whereas there's a different villain, which we'll get to in top plays, where I'm like, that person has layers. And I can feel them with every line he speaks. So, yeah, I, I wish we got a little bit more. I, there's still a chance that she can redeem herself. But right now, she was kind of a letdown for me. Yeah, to me, like you said, super flat. I think the villains in general, it's not my, it's not my loser here. Because I think there's... Besides her, I agree, like the, the mustache twirlingness of it all. There's a lot of potential, I would say, with the, you know, master and apprentice on the dark side, it seems like in this show. Uh, but her kind of being that vessel to get to Dathomir to do the whole map thing, which was awesome, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, we might talk about that a little bit more later. Her being that that character, that kind of bridge character, because she was in The Mandalorian. We've already seen her interact with Ahsoka. There already is this mission in place to find Thrawn and thereby hopefully find Ezra. It all makes sense, but she's just a flat character in the mix of it all, I would say. I I will just put some support on this character and kind of the villain characters in general in a utilitarian kind of way, in that they are the exploration for a lot of the plot of these first two episodes, because we have so much going on with Ahsoka, Sabine, and Hera with their past, their character dynamics. Like I said, catching people who haven't watched Rebels up to how these characters are feeling about each other, which is such an important part of this universe with these characters specifically. And if they didn't do that, 
it wouldn't have benefited the rest of the show. And now, now that we're all caught up, I think it's going to. So using the villains to do the exploration stuff, this galaxy to galaxy thing, this big whatever they're making, it's Star Wars, whatever. But, you know, all of that stuff coming from the villains, I do think gives them at least something interesting to, if not do, talk about. And I think that that helps a lot. Um, I do wish the performances were maybe a little more engaging. Um, but, you know, these are also Sith-ass people, which, you know, we don't get a lot of engagement from those characters a lot of the time, um, unless like Master Inquisitor or a Kylo Ren, but that's more angry than engaging. Um, I will say I do appreciate her being from Mando Season 2, the the Beskar Spear lady. I think that that is a very cool yes. piece to bring back in a very MCU kind of way. You know what I mean? Uh, it's very uh, Ulysses Claw and Andy Circus coming from Ultron into Black Panther. Same vibes for me because I didn't. I didn't. I, I knew I recognized her. I thought I was Michelle Yeoh. Um, I did. <laughs> I knew right? I recognized for a second. Right. right when they open that door, she's got the butt up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I knew I recognized her, but it wasn't until she really got going a little bit that I realized, oh, that's the woman from. Mando 2 tying this all together. So I do appreciate the universe utility of them um, and her. Um, David, your big loser coming out of one and two. Yeah. So my main big loser, I'm a, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I know the second one is not on anyone's list. Um, and that's my hot take of the week. But my first one, I'll t- keep quick. It is the Rebels Reliance for this show. As someone who just watched Rebels, awesome, great. Yippee Kaye. This is this is awesome. <laughs> if I had not seen Rebels, if I was still David Hater of Animation, who had never seen Rebels, I do not know how I would have felt about these first two episodes. I don't think I would have liked it, honestly. I do not think I would be into this show right now if I had not seen Rebels. And I think there might be people out there who haven't seen Rebels who feel the same way. That's my first point. My second is my hot take of this entire show right now that I have to make sure I share in the pod. Before we move on to top plays, should Rosario Dawson be Ahsoka Tano? That is my big hot take. I am not sure. It was cool in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett when she appeared in cameo roles. Cool. Ahsoka's here. Amazing. Awesome. It doesn't matter her acting in those moments. Now that it is the Ahsoka show, I think she was maybe getting schooled in some scenes from an acting standpoint and from a translation standpoint now it could be the way it's written very kind of cold very kind of arms crossed you know doing the action stunts anyone can do action doing the action stunts not a ton of emotion shown now that's part of the show that's where we're at right now we don't we haven't pulled back those layers right it's like shrek we know an onion has layers and we're all onions we're on that outer core with ahsoka right now We've seen them pulled back in animation before, but we have not yet in live action. And I am not sure Rosario Dawson is up for the task. And I am kind of worried about our leading actress here, just a tad, because in this episode, the actress specifically didn't give much for me. So I'm kind of looking out for it. Okay, so (laughs) there's a lot there. (laughs) There's a lot of new ones there. I mean, that's Um, a hot thing. That's a genuine hot (laughs) that's a big one um i'm gonna start with your first point just real quick i agree with you i feel like when it comes to plot if you haven't watched rebels you're gonna be okay because i I think they do a good job 
um, throughout the episodes of like explaining what is going on, generally speaking. But when it comes to, I, I mentioned it um, in the beginning with general thoughts, when it comes to like emotion, maybe stakes and, and that kind of investment, I I do understand the reliance on Rebels. Um, but going to the Rosario doll, yes, with, yes, Matt. Especially with Ezra. With yeah. Ezra being the MacGuffin, the secondary MacGuffin one. to everything. If you don't get that, you will lose a lot of what makes all of us appreciate it. Yep. So 100%. I think on the surface, you know, not that deeper layer that we all love so much. On the surface, I do think it's doing a good job doing the Star Wars thing where you get the scroll, you know, and we have all this history. It's not about that. It's about the now kind of thing. Right. 100%. Um, going off Rosario Dawson. When you first said that, David, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Here comes David Thompson just like wrecking shop. <laughs> you guy out of nowhere. Um, what the hell was that? <laughs> you just feeling it? Just feeling it. It was great. Why not? Bruce Willis, <laughs> baby. Um, but when you start to explain yourself, I do get it. But I, I think it's just more so I just think that's how the character is written right now. I agree with you. If, if this is like the most we get. Like if this Ahsoka is all we get in terms of being stoic, being very kind of cold with like moments here and there where she's fighting and she gives like a slight smirk or something and a couple jokes here and there. If that's all we get and it stays that way throughout the entire eight episodes, I will 100% agree with you. But I would blame I, I push the blame more so on Dave for that. I am also waiting for that moment where we peel back the layers of the onion that is Ahsoka Tano in live action. And from all the rumors that have gone around and whatnot, like i quite certain we're going to get that but i guess for me it's less of a rosario dawson thing and just more so of a directing thing of like at some point they need to get her out of that same mold that we've seen in mandalorian book of boba fett and now these two episodes i understand it from a we haven't seen it yet mentality you know what i mean i i get that we just haven't seen it yet but again this is relying on rebels which was your first point so you did a good job stacking that up but Knowing what we know about this character, I feel like this reserved, cold, arms crossed, uh, you know, tough love leader thing that she's doing right now is so incredibly earned in such mm -hmm. the best way. The most bright eyed Jedi we've ever seen has gone through the ringer time and time and time again. And we have to remember where we see her in this episode, especially knowing that this is the same fucking seed from the epilogue. Oh, that is so cool. That's she's coming crazy. off loss. She's coming off the loss. She lost Ezra. She lost General Thrawn. And, and she definitely feels responsible for that, being the uh, military leader of that team next to Hera. And I think that this reserved cold leader thing that she's doing, I think just for me, works so well with what I know about the character. And it plays off Sabine like a tennis ball off a brick wall. It's just, it's so perfect the way that they work together. And I think a little credit to Rosario Dawson. She's crushing that stuff. She is. She's crushing the, we got to remember, it's Jedi stuff. There isn't a lot of emotion involved. But I do think that flashback or otherwise, we will get that break moment where that layer gets peeled. And I think it's going to be a couple layers at once. I think we're going yeah. to see Rosario Dawson flex at some point. And because we're getting this more conserved um, tone, with this character right now, it's going to hit that much harder in a very Game of Thrones and or kind of way. And I'm excited for that to bring some of the prestige feeling uh, to the show because we shouldn't be surprised if Rosario Dawson goes out there and balls because she's Rosario Dawson. She's a great actress. 
But the fact that they're kind of teeing us up to be surprised, that's what can elevate a show in a more, you know, third level kind of way. Jack? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said about it making sense for the journey that she's been on. And you say that she's coming off a loss, which is absolutely true. But also she's coming off this very strained relationship with Sabine that, again, we don't know a ton about just yet of like the fallout and what happened. But there is those years during the original trilogy of movies where it's like, where was Ahsoka? What was she doing? And even all of that coming in, I think, feeds into who the character is now. Um, So that was a great point. I completely agree. I love it. Um, so it's up to me now. My biggest loser. Jack, you're not going to like it. You're just not. And that's okay. But um, it's the Anakin Skywalker story that is coming. Um, I think that, you know, it's been reported that Hayden Christensen involved. Feels like flashback territory, if anything. Right? So a little de-aging with Ahsoka could be kind of cool to see the... What are these called? Is there a name? Oh, God. There, there is. Thomas would know. I forget. The the headdress that Ahsoka yeah. has seen shortened up a little bit in a flashback that could be very cool um but i do think that the anakin story coming is going to provide maybe that depth in ahsoka that david is craving um but i personally as someone who very rapidly watched clone wars took a big break and then very rapidly watched rebels i personally don't think that this character needs that I feel like we've gotten a lot of Ahsoka Anakin content. We've gotten conflict. We've gotten resolution. We've gotten emotion. It's, you know, to Jack's point, one of the greatest episodes of Star Wars anything ever is an Ahsoka Anakin episode. And I think that when this does come, because it feels it all reports say that it's going to come, I think it's going to take away from some of the things about the show that are going to pull people in the most. Being the Ezra search, being Sabine kind of being the main character of these first two episodes um this post-war feeling that everybody has and all of that stuff i'm so intrigued by that and i'm so excited that we have this contained story for this group of characters that isn't skywalker related i think bringing skywalker into it will distract for me um more than maybe it will aid for me especially when we just saw it in obi-wan and it was actually done really well rehashing that here when i don't feel like we necessarily need it that's what i'm worried about moving forward so it's not really a loser for these two episodes but the way they had a one-off of you know you know anakin the name dropped anakin in this i don't remember exactly the line as soon as they did that i was like okay we're gonna go back to that now i just feel like we've seen it Mm. i disagree just because i love anakin skywalker first off and i think a flashback would be awesome also the flashback scenes but I actually think that him as a force ghost could be even more um, impactful because way more than Luke Skywalker, Anakin should be a force ghost connected to Ahsoka in many ways, right? They actually had that relationship. They had that master and Padawan relationship. So I think that would be really cool to see for the hype of it all, seeing him back. Um, but I also think there could be some impactful kind of hierarchy, you know, trickle down effect of, you know, learning something from her master right after he's gone and done all these things then to bring that back to sabine very canon of her to do you see david you understand that now because you've seen rebels i do Um, you you won me over on force ghost i didn't think about that i think that would actually be a really awesome way to do it where i feel like they've kind of dropped the ball on force ghost as of late yeah i'll say it that was bad um hey bad guy (laughs) um but actually if if they do the Force Ghost thing, I think I'll have a little bit more of a good time with it. Jack, I just talked show on your boy. 
Yeah, I know. And, you know, screw you, Matt. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I do kind of agree that it could take away it, it for me it's really all about execution that's what david was bringing up for like sure. it, it depends on how it's done if it's a force ghost um it, if it is a flashback honestly we could get a whole bunch of stuff with anakin with the Octa way they tank. do it. it oh boy <laughs> the box to take makes a return we kind of got a little like bakta patch this week uh with sabine but um yeah i don't know i i'm it, it's one of those things where it's like it's anakin skywalker and it's ahsoka i'm just i'm always going to be a fan of it until i'm not so if for them just talking about it now i i think it could what david said i think it could feed in really well with the sabine of it all and that master and apprentice relationship and david even talked about the threads of going from anakin to ahsoka to sabine and you can go back further than that of anakin and obi-wan and obi-wan and qui-gon and just you just keep going um all those threads like just trickle down and i i think it could be a story worth telling it just has to be executed in, in an interesting way um which dave has proven in Re specifically in rebels where it's like this can work so i i have full faith until i don't i was so tunnel visioned on flashback and i never even thought of force coast which i actually think the more i think about it i think that'd be the perfect one you know how can i help sabine let's check in with anakin see what he has to say about it um and it would give us a chance to have Anakin reflect on Vader, something we've never gotten. It could be amazing. Since oh. Jedi. Something we yeah. haven't gotten since Jedi. Mm -hmm. um, which and it would cool. make sense that it's Hayden as we got in the re-releases right. of Return of the Jedi. Right. And that would be really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So those are our winners and those are our losers. Losers are Morgan Elspeth for Jack. Uh, the Rebels Reliance are, you know, the homework, I guess, of it all um, for David. And then I picked the upcoming and can skywalker storyline let's move into top plays then we got about five to six minutes here so let's bullet through them quick takes jack uh we'll go jack david me we'll just ping pong through them hit us with your top plays my guy um all right first one ezra leaving a special message specifically for sabine he left one for the entire ghost crew at the end of rebels but he left a specific one for her and it not nothing crazily like new in there but it, it was just like oh man i mean ezra first time we're seeing him i guess in live action technically even though it's a hologram but it was just like oh that, that's just when that moment it, it hit home for me and i kind of popped out of my seat a little bit absolutely i love the sister line david that was on my list, but number one for me is the opening crawl. I like stood up. I'm like, let's fucking go. This is red Star text. Wars. Red text. It's unique. It's its own, but it perfectly set the stage for the episode. What she's looking for. Very just well done Star Wars crawl. I would say it's up there because they just did such a great job describing where we are, where it's been. And that might help, you know, just new time watchers, not Rebels fans. Just get into it, right? Okay, got it. There's this Thrawn guy looking for there's a map very Star Wars and then we just hit the ground running uh scrolls are usually reserved for Skywalker family members Ahsoka's a Skywalker family member and I think that's very cool um uh I'll say it you know I'll say the one that you know I think we're all a little bit scared to say orange lightsabers fucking awesome and oh I think God. it's amazing um I think it's cool that they are mercenaries or they seem to be mercenaries and I know they're former Jedi but maybe they're not necessarily Sith and I think that the orange lightsaber visually opens that up a little bit. It's unique. It's cool. Um, and I think it's a very awesome aesthetic moving forward. And the orange and white, I think, is going to play really well. The orange and green, one of my least favorite color combinations of all time. Um, but I do think that that played even in the brief lightsaber scene that we got there with a very raw Sabine Wren in the lightsaber oh, yeah. fight. And the uh, Darth Maul 2.0 in that Shin character. 
Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. She's stunning. She is stunning she to look at. She is interesting. I am excited to get into that character because there is something there. Like Balin, I kind of get a better idea Clunk. with, but with her, she's like a big mystery. Absolutely. Um, very pump Clementine, it felt like. Jack, next top play. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll save one for last. Uh, Ray Stevenson, the late, great Ray Stevenson. Um, specifically, his line at the end of episode two, where he's like, it'd be a shame to kill Ahsoka. And uh, Morgan says sentimental. And he goes, truth. And God, I just, that line is so good. I, I just love Balin's goal as a character so far. Yeah. There's a lot of history there. Um, we're definitely going to learn more in the next episode. But those are the layers I'm talking about. And I, I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's Dave necessarily. But I, I just shout out him. I don't know how much we'll get of him the rest of the season. But it's a shame we won't get any more afterward. Absolutely. RIP and peace, Ray Stevenson. David. Uh, I had Sabine figuring out the map, her doing her artist thing, reworking it, figuring it out. That was a really cool scene. I was super locked in while I was watching that one. Um, just her kind of manipulating it and just realizing, you know, how this whole thing works. And that's just such such a little like video game thing that I love to see in these kinds of projects. Good call on that. Very is very fallen order. That puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah, I didn't even think about that. Very good. Um, David's favorite episode of Mando three was when we went to oh i always forget the name big city star wars coruscant coruscant where we go to coruscant and we learn that the post empire uh reliance is very much letting old empire shit fall through the cracks the yes. fact that we got more of that here and it felt like a great continuation of what we got in mando um i just think that that was an awesome again another thread they're pulling from mando really tying this together for me in a big way and it's those little things that tie it together that i really enjoyed and that was just an awesome scene watching Hera and ahsoka be alert from the jump they were not confident in anything going in there but they played it perfectly. They got it step by step and they didn't jump the gun, but they made it work. And yeah, I just love the uh, Republic ignorance that has continued from what we've already seen on Disney plus Jack. Um, maybe my favorite top player, chopper chopper is back. The murder bot is back. He goes, I hear, hear the quotes, shoot them down. Hera. I can't just shoot them down. It would crash into the port city. He goes, and that's bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> Chopper's a dick. Care. He is a dick. That is a <laughs> scary. I love him so scary bot. You guys not drafting R two G two in that draft was bananas. That wasn't that us. wasn't me. Jack. It was oh. Agents of Phantom, I believe. Oh, that's my bad. I'm sorry. Wow, calling us bad. out for not drafting R two. <laughs> I feel bad for commenting now. <laughs> I feel bad for commenting. I thought that was you guys for some reason. Um, wow. makes a lot of sense. I had to um, double take. Sorry. Um, David. Um, yeah, it was another map one was just that ex- expanded galaxy map that we got at the end of the second episode and that second galaxy that Thrawn's at. Holy shit. That was so cool. I love that visual. Um, and I think that was great storytelling, right? Just showing us, not necessarily telling us, kind of a little bit of both, but just looks so cool. Absolutely. My last top play, it's an action scene. I thought the lightsaber fights were really cool, but guys... When that Inquisitor chucks that lightsaber and it's coming back and she's a hit, hits him with the hook. Ahsoka's such a badass, dude. Yeah. She is such a badass. And let's she, him have it. You know, it's like, here you go. One of the most experienced Jedi we've ever seen in Star Wars, outside of the prequels, I would say. And and her just being able to be like, eh, just 
just sidestep that blade coming back in the most casual way. Very cool. Hmm. Anybody else have any more? I just had one really quick one was the focus on lightsaber hilts. It felt very like, let's go to Disney World and make a hilt and make a make a lightsaber fall in order. Great call like video game. Just I loved that. We get the we literally the scene could have been cut the whole like focusing on the hilt and like, where (laughs) is it from and whose is it? We like looking at Sabine's a lot, but I loved it as like the little kid in me. Um, Jack, the gun hilt. Is that gone? The yes, it is. That broke that broke at the end of season two. Yeah, David, thanks to thanks to Vader. Pop the first time he used that. That was really cool. And I was oh, when it broke. Gosh. I'm like, holy shit! Like that sucks. Yeah, very, very I did love the uh, spinning Inquisitor lightsaber being back in this though. Mm-hmm. You know, the- they're back. One of the coolest weapons for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Ahsoka episodes one and two. We have to get out of here quickly. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody go listen to Reckless Rebellion for more Star Wars coverage, not just with Jack Fuse, but also our very own David Thompson, Thomas Carter Rochester, and Klein Felt. Um, we'll be back next week for Ahsoka episode three and also everything else you need to know about the universes you love. For David, I'm Matt. Until next time, see you. If you only knew the power of the dark side.